Tap in the Life and Times Network. Listen, I'm on the show, but I'm not the show. Well, I am the show today. So people, I'm being talked to. Someone's talking to me. I'm going to let them introduce themselves. You probably know them. It's Big Body Bethany. <clears throat> How are you doing? Hey, everyone. It's Big Body Beth back again. <clears throat> back again. Um, I'm doing great. Um, I've been in Cali with you for the past month. And yes. That's been a wild time. Yes. Trenches. Absolute. Wi-Fi. <laughs> Four bars, five bars sometimes. We have like double the character because Nathier had that already and then I, I'm the same way with that. So it's been double it's been a good time. Yeah, we went to the Airbnb. Airbnb it w- we were locked out. We were locked outside. Only way we got in was because somebody was pulling in. That's the only way we got into a nice safe spot or we would have had to go back to my spot. Character. Yep. LA. Life and times. But no, so we're going to talk about, well, she's going to ask me questions about my recent release, uh, Same Old Grief 4. It's a collection of poems. I'm also a writer. If you didn't know, I do these things. Been doing these things. Circus on the way. So you just mentioned that your collection of poetry is called Same Old Grief. Mm -hmm. Of course, we can infer what that means. But do you want to explain anything to the audience before they read it about what more is So the highlight and the focuses are... Grief, death, um, city life. You know, I come from an urban background. Um, uh, just like there's a lot of things that happens all the time in that environment. So it's the same old thing. And I was like, it is the same old thing. There's also a Meek Mill freestyle, same old Meek that I listen to all the time. And when I first started writing this, I was inspired by that. So instead of same old Meek or same old anything, I said same old grief. Because it became part of my life. Just expounding upon that, when I read it, I found that there were tons of themes of grief, trauma, loss, um, self-destruction, masculinity, relationships, growth. And then we kind of turned toward acceptance, self-awareness, and then this like overall cognitive dissonance between like suppressing your emotions and then like being subjugated by them um, during different phases of your life. So... Um, and there's this prominent idea, too, that you deal with your emotions differently now than whenever you were young. And I just see that in you now, mm-hmm. um, comparing, like, how you live now to um, maybe some emotional reactions that you had that you described in these writings. But that just highlights the growth as a person, and I think it's really important to talk about that. Yeah, I definitely told a line between immaturity and maturity, right? Uh, in between um, being a dumb guy and then learning and then realizing and reconciling with my own emotions, which is like a tough pill to swallow when you're a guy. <laughs> and uh, masculinity is a tough thing, too, because, like, you don't know which is right. Like, I remember when I was younger, I thought if you got mad, like, if you lost your temper, you were tough. You're dangerous. You're a threat, right? Like, but now I realize the more you manage your anger and use it, like, I, I'm really a big proponent of controlled aggression. Like, I match the force or whatever I'm dealing with. Like, I talk to people different ways to how, you know, I usually, if I don't know you, I'm just going to match energy. And then I I care about my life, so I make sure I remove myself from certain environments, right? Like, if I already know I can't talk to a person or I'm already going to have to get into something with that person, then why pursue it, right? Now, defending myself is a totally different thing. And I also learned how to, like, 
you know, people be like, oh, somebody breaks into my house. I'm going to break their legs and all this. I'm like, I'm going to, you know, stop them, but I'm not going to break their legs. <laughs> like, I'm like, listen, I'm waiting for the cops and handcuff you, this and that. And uh, you got to make some better life choices, but I'm not going to like, I think uh, everybody has to keep their collective shit to themselves. Like, I'm a big proponent of that. So, like, that's what I try to do now. That's what I'm really toning along when to be hard on certain things and when to be soft on certain things as well. Right, of course, growth is definitely possible in in terms of emotions and that. But I, I think instead of highlighting the maturity versus the immaturity as far as growth, I think I more so wanted to point out the growth as in like being able to process your emotions for yourself. Yeah, for sure. I was I was way more reactionary when I was young. If somebody says something, then I'm just gonna go with that. You know, it changed my whole mood and things like that. Or I was, you know, a lot of kids, especially in urban environments, are really gullible. Like, they'll hang out with people who don't really care about them or put them in bad situations. And then they start a domino effect. So I had to be aware of myself so I can be aware of others. Right. And that self-awareness <laughs> is something that you allude to in most of your poems in here. But um, going along with the processing your emotions, I I found that your lines are like concise but they're extremely emotive too um your lines might be short but they have a lot of impactful words in there so you have like metaphors that are like more raw than euphemistic but i think that's like rightfully so because you're describing these distressing events that you went through um that you endured during your upbringing and i think that all of these themes like are encapsulated in your first poem called bet so i just want to break that one down line by line okay So this is Bet by me, listening to Lauryn Hill, the land of the miseducated. So like right there, Lauryn Hill's a big figure in like rap, black community. And then I'm talking about my initial environment. Like we don't get taught anything we're supposed to be taught. We're miseducated for a reason, right? And then I left the block and dealt with how I didn't know I was subjugated, right? So like once you leave your innate environment, you didn't know how I didn't know how coupled and chained I was as far as my ideology, my thought patterns, um, even behavioral things. Like, uh, like you need to know how to conduct yourself in multiple rooms. Not to get in to fit in, but to, like, get in. You know? You don't know how to build something unless you know how the screws. So now I'm in Westwood. I'm alluding to my story, right? Like, the block is Philly, right? So now I'm in Westwood. So this is the next line on bet, the third line. Um, Westwood doors codes answered and trauma is self-medicated so you know a lot of people don't deal with their trauma the correct way people are like drinking partying i was doing the same thing you know but i'm in westwood so i feel like i've done more than i already should have but i'm not living to my potential all on my own making sure memories never faded so like that's alluding to my second book before the memory fades and then uh just my journey like since i turned 18 it's just been me like far as making these life-changing decisions and like big decisions in this navigating of the adult world all I'm all. You've done everything on your own to get to where you are right now. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm self-made. I, I worked for everything I've done. I, there's no point in my life where someone can walk up and say they gave me a handout or anything like that. And I, not to say like, you should have those things, right? Like your parents and this and that, like having more, isn't a diss. Like that's a good thing to have. Like if you don't have it, then you got to work like I do. You're just describing your reality. Yeah. I'm just describing my reality. I was the boy masquerading manhood forced and faded. You know, you grow up early in urban environments 
And a lot of times, I felt like, personally, that, like, uh, I'm, like, 10. I shouldn't be dealing with this right now. You know? Like, just a couple things are going down. I was like, ah, man, why am I involved? So I will always be like, well, this feels a little forced, and it's faded, though. Like, your environment dictates some parts of your reality, some parts of your upbringing. There's no way in that area code those things wouldn't happen. Like, it's a right, a passage almost. In masquerading manhood, it's just like it's duplicating things you see around. You're not really, you don't know how that guy got that way. You haven't experienced anything. You just know him as his model. You don't know him too well. Cutting the strings and thinking of rings and all the women I felt jaded. So, like, you know, getting older, my relationships are going to be more serious. I'm thinking about the next step. But I'm also reminiscing on my failed things where I feel like my trauma got in the way of the relationship. Or, like, it, I, I, I don't think I was really trying to establish real relationships because I was really hurt. <laughs> like, like I, I wasn't really processing much. I was just going from this thing to, the you know, from one thing to the next and trying my best, but, like, I was in my own way a lot, especially when I was younger. But I, I'm not anymore, so now I can start thinking of rings and thinking, of, you know, and <laughs> like, looking back and understanding how much I've grown. Allotting the sum of the pain I painted. So, like, that's literally everything I've done. I don't think I've gotten away with it. This is the sum. Like, you get these results if you do these things, right? Even if I make small, bad decisions, I'm going to think about that shit tomorrow. (laughs) So, like, I got a conscience. I I do get uh, guilty and stuff like that. So, Karma can show up as emotionally sometimes, too. Yeah. Yeah. There's plenty of times in my life where I was, like, emotionally selfish or this mean or someone was mean to me. And now I'm like, oh, this is the end of the world. And no, you put that energy out here. Now you got it the day you don't need it. So, you know gambled and sin blessed within everything i abated so like you know gambled and sin out here partying i'm on the party scene especially when i was younger it was you know i'm gambling my life in a couple of situations right especially when you're dabbling and stuff like that and then like blessed within like i knew was in my mind and my mind self that like i was wasting time that's like a big theme of my own self like I felt like I wasted time, especially those three years after my pops passed. It was just a wa- I wouldn't say a waste of time. I got the experiences. I met people. I forged relationships, and it, and that's good. But like how I carried myself could have been a lot better. Looking back at it, four years now, uh, twenty six compared to like the times I was living from nineteen to like twenty four, twenty three. But it was the worst the first three years. You get better. I'm comedian David Race in Los Angeles. I host a celebrity-filled paranormal talk show like no other. Monstrosity has great guests answering weird questions. You won't believe the combo of celebrities and paranormal experts who've been on this show. I guarantee you'll like Monstrosity, or you get your time back. Go to monstrositypodcast.com right now and take a look. We talked about um, your internal process. Of- oh, and bet is slaying in Philly for, yo, I'm going to go do that bet. Like, it's right, a gamble, yeah. you know? 
So we were talking about um, your emotions and your battle between um, you and yourself. But now I want to get into external battles that were also happening around the same time that you were dealing with your own problems. But um, So I wanted to break down your next poem, uh, Mr. In-Between, line by line, because I think this one has a lot of interesting word choices, which I think I would use the word, I'm not sure if it's the right word, but like gross words, like an alliteration to illustrate um, a gruesome reality that events was were like part of your upbringing and how they had a, a lifelong impact on your mental health. But if you could just go ahead and read that one so they can sort of understand what I mean. Okay, I'm pulling it up now. Give me one second, please. Okay, so yeah, yeah. So I was just trying to be as visceral as possible, but using common words too. Right. So like it's graspable by anybody. Right. This is stuff I've used all my life. Right. Like this is stuff. And it was like stuff I've seen around, too. Right. So um, <clears throat> Mr. In-Between journey, nice and bumpy. That's just reflecting like how things have been nice and bumpy. Face bruised, red uh, face bruised, nose red, runny. I've been punched. I've gotten a black eye. I've been boxing. I've been punched on the street. I've had I've been punched in, the, you know, like in the abs. You know, shit has happened. And, uh, yeah, I've been bloodied. <laughs> I had a red nose. And, and, you know, the person that did it, I love. So it's all good. <laughs> it's all good. I actually deserved it. I'm a, if you haven't noticed, I'm a bit of a smuck. But, no, uh, back to home, though, cream of wheat filling in a little lumpy. You know, like cream of wheat. Everybody's had cream it's of wheat lumpy. that's a little lumpy, you know, because <laughs> I made it myself and I wasn't that good. <laughs> It wasn't reflecting anybody's cooking at home because I'm the worst cook. Um, cutting off, cutting off emotions. I'm an adult now and emotionally stumpy. Right, like those feelings I've had when I was younger, I just dissociated instead of addressing. So now, as an adult, I'm emotionally stumped, stumpy. Uh, black in my area is a little trumpy. You know, it's a nice area, but people have political views that I don't agree with. Or at, it wouldn't, it wouldn't, like, it's not the political view. It's, like, how they carry it. Like, like you know, we got the Trump supporters a little aggressive. So, you know, black in my area is a little Trumpy. You know, they say little things. They, like, hey, Nick Theron, this and that. Mess up my name, blah, blah, blah. Ha, 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 this and that. So, and then I, I hint at what's going on because as a black man, if I, like, I've seen it all my life. If I raise my voice, everybody's antenna is up. <laughs> and the less black faces, the more the reaction is different. The more people are paying attention. So like everything's like, oh you're you're a threat? You might be a threat? Oh, I'm intrigued, right? So the next line is I'm a little more intrigued when I'm grumpy. So like it's an aura. Like I've seen people I have like people that I thought I knew very well and they said when they initially met me, they were scared of me. Like and I'm not I didn't, well that was before I had my glasses, but still <laughs> <laughs> Even without your glasses, you're just. I the feel most like I give off citizen person. <laughs> I give off citizen vibes, but you know, here, there we go. I'm sitting in there, ignorance in a callous snuggie. I mean, I'm adjusted to this, right? Since uh, you know, living in different cultures, you get to feel different people's judgment, right? I had judgment on people and precognitive. I want to say precognitive uh, prohibitions that are baked down traditionally, like at home. And then, like, you go to college, you step outside your bubble. Now you got to face people who also come from small-mindedness and this and that. So I'm used to it. 
You know, it's it, the ignorance is. I mean, you know, I'm sitting in the ignorance in a callous snuggie. It's fine. And then the majority is lying. The minority paints the ugly, right? So like, majority of people or majority of society thinks something is one way, and the person that's not getting it that way knows what it is. We can talk about so many things. We can conflate with so many things, and that's how bad it is. People with more education, more wealth, more tactics, more experience, more traditions in just running things. And then versus people who never had anything, we're just scrapping for the next thing. So as a scrapper, I know what's going on. And I know it's ugly. I think that's a perfect segue into the next thing I want to talk about. Gruesome words correlate with the gruesome events in your poem called Rot, where you allude to detestable behavior from the police and also things in um, certain societies that are normalized but are heavily concerning, <laughs> like even though that they're normalized. Wait, um, oh, rot, yeah. Yeah, like drug addiction you talk about. Um, and then also in uh, Pups Grow Fangs is another one where you bring up those points. But I want to bring out the line from Rot where you say you were 18 when you first had. A oh, yeah, yeah. I was 18 when I had a first like that's the first time I ever talked to a cop and nothing bad was going to happen <laughs> or something bad is happening to me. Like every situation I had with cops beforehand. First time I met a cop, he was picking up a body outside the crib. Um Another time where it's like walking. Another time somebody got dropped around by my school. So like, and I say these words dropped, hit, because it's casual. This is the reality. You know, we come from urban environments and like it or not, this is what happened in America. And we can't talk about any other country until this is not happening in America. That's like, that's a big thing for me. Yeah. So I was in school. I was with Aaron and my friend Brody and my friend Cliff. And that's the first time I talked to a cop and it was cool. (laughs) So he like talked to me like I was like a person. Yeah. Yeah. So kind that was pretty cool. Conversation. Yeah. Humanized yeah. conversation. How are you doing? Now, what are you doing? You know. And verbatim, the line is I was 18 when I had a safe conversation with a cop. And then right after that, you're like, oh, well, this is kind of progression as far as, you know, cops go, or at least like the experiences that you yeah. had with them. And then right after that, Fourth of July passed, I can still hear the shot. So it kind of goes back. Yeah, yeah, it goes back to my younger self. Yeah. Like, and this is like, you know, these events in Philly happen with police being there or police not being there. These are, this is going to happen, right? So, like, yeah, Fourth of July, instead of regular fireworks, the people were shooting. I was with my mom and my sisters, and we had to like run to the uh, the train station. So, yeah, that was an experience. It was a good time. Yeah, I don't be talking from real shit. Like, shit actually that's happened in my life, and I absorbed and kept it going. Like, you don't have much time to be. Dealing with shit when you're in it, you know? Whenever you say the line, in my reality, you could be Abel or Cain. Is that what you're referring to? That kind of reality? Yeah. The line, Abel or Cain, you know the biblical reference. One brother kills another brother, Abel, Cain. And I'm in the city of Philadelphia. (laughs) So brotherly love. So it's a little double entendre. A couple things with that line, for sure. Yeah, that's the reality. People are like, for the smallest shit. Or it, it seems small, but it's really big to them. Like, that money, that whatever, is their whole reality. So I can't say it's small. Their perspectives might be small just because Perspective they is weren't... definitely small. Because I didn't see, like, Rocky. Like, the first time I seen Rocky, my aunt came through, and it was me and my pops and everybody. We went to go see you. I never seen Rocky. I never spent too much time, like, Center City. Like, I never been, like, I didn't spend, like, a significant amount of time in, like, the highlights of the city. I was in my neighborhood. 
so I don't want to conflate the issue, right? This is like government. This is city. Like these are people like not not regular folk. Like your neighbor can't fix what's going on in your neighborhood. Your mayor's supposed to, right? Then there's other people under him. Like it's very it, government is a branch for a reason. It's a lot of trees. There's a lot of limbs, but we're the limbs, and we're getting cut off. And I, that's the simplest ways to say it. Like the people in power don't give a fuck. We already know that. And, you know, just like in a larger argument, like I see everybody making fun of like senators, Republicans, Democrats, whatever. Like we all know it's a big joke. Why are we still laughing? Like people are still out here getting galvanized. We go back to the Trump thing. You go back to Biden. People are galvanized over political figures instead of making sure they do their fucking job. Right. I agree. And. I think that's the biggest thing. And that's like, that's where poverty comes from, right? Our society is thriving, but people in the greatest country are dying. Kids, you know? We're supposed to be the most developed country. Most people, most developed country, you know, we're just not putting in the work. And it's for a reason. We need, you know, poor people fuel the army. Like, that's who fights the wars for these rich dudes, you know? I was thinking of going to the army. So. There's a couple paths in my life I definitely could have walked across. But uh, go ahead. So there's been a years long gap between when these events occurred and then whenever you wrote about them. So I can imagine it took you a while to initially process the events like after they happened. And then once that happened, like on top of that, then you had to process all the emotions with it. Because whenever you go through traumatic experiences, sometimes emotions just get buried and yeah. it's not even like a, a choice. A lot of the time your brain just like suppresses. It nah, I, I mean, I had a safe. family member that passed when I was like 16. I didn't really start thinking about it till I was 19. And that's when my pops passed. So like, I didn't really want to deal with that. And then I was like, wait, like this significant death happened. But hey, bro, remember three years ago? Yeah, that person's not, you can't talk to them anymore, you know? So it's like playing catch up with grief. It's the same old grief. And you described the, pretty much the very moment you fell into that deep introspection. Didn't feel the trauma until I lived in quiet Dubois. Yeah. So like I was in the city, you know, I lived in the city, sirens, police, fire trucks, people yelling, shit's going on. Um, Dubois is quiet. <laughs> you, you know, Dub. Dub is a quiet place. I walked with deer. I you grew know? up there. Yeah. You walked with deer. I walked with deer. <laughs> yeah, I did that. So I was in Dubois. Like I was out there. Walk up to the statue, look over on D, uh, Dubois campus, like. I've taken a gander, you know, like I, I've gotten to experience a different lifestyle that really slowed down myself and my perspective with a lot of things going on in my own life. Now, me having grown up in Dubois, I have this impression that it's like a really, uh, I don't want to say boring, but there's just not a lot going on there. You know, it's definitely a nice place to grow up because there isn't a lot going on. You know, there's like pros and cons to it. You could look at it in two different ways, but you have this completely different view of it because for you, it was like a moment to pause and sort of reflect on your past and just also get a break from a bunch of things that were constantly Yeah, I mean, going to school with. was like the best decision I ever made for myself. It, it shaped me as a person. It put me in every position I, I should have been and I gained all the experience I needed. So, uh, yeah, that change of culture was great. Dubois has great people besides yourself, besides Aaron. I met a lot of great people from Dubois. I'll always have respect and love for Dubois. 
at some of my best years of my young life there just because of learning new things, you know, getting a bill in your name, utilities, like just managing life. I learned that in Dubois, and I think that's one of the best places to do it because it's small enough that you can ask for help. It <laughs> you is, know? yeah. You achieved a lot of your milestones there. Yeah. Accelerated your growth as an adult human. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yes, for sure. I wrote my first piece of work there. Secluded figure. I finished it out in Dubois. I finished Secluded actually when I was 19. I really hit the accelerate button from 19 to 22. That's how long it took me to put out Secluded. So, yeah, I, I uh, definitely wrote it and it took me three years to get it out. But after I got Secluded out, I dropped every year. Some collection. Once you got the ball rolling with writing, these past experiences that you had and like bringing out your emotion, do you think that writing for you serves as like a cathartic release and helps you first get in touch with those emotions and then like subsequently process them and like almost feel them again and then accept that you went through what you went through and sort of forgive yourself? Yeah, for, for sure. Uh, tumultuous events, for sure. I have learned to forgive myself when I was younger. Like that 19 to 22 is when I wasn't, I was just in the throes of it, right? So like all the stages of grief, all the shit that was going down, it was a lot of things happening and I wasn't really recognizing or reconciling at all. Yeah, writing is one of the biggest cathartic releases in my life. Because even when I was doing all this shit, you can ask Deontay, you can ask anybody that knew me around those times, I was still writing. (laughs) I just wasn't putting it out. I wasn't making it cohesive. I thought, like, initially when I was writing, it was like, oh, this is nice. This is like a skill, you know. But then I realized I had a story. And, you know, I was like, yeah, I have a story to tell, so I'm going to tell it. And definitely deserves to be heard. Yeah, for sure. I think uh, a lot of people, especially from my environment, as far as the same old grief series, that's exactly what it's for for kids like that, whoever's dealing with stuff like that and uh, just trying to grow as a person and realize that like growth takes time. It took me time to write this stuff. It takes time to learn new habits. It takes time to change yourself. I remember the first couple of months in Dubai, I didn't talk to nobody. We don't do that in Philly. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> we don't talk to strangers. <laughs> so I really like neutered myself socially my first couple of months. So until I started extending my branches and started meeting some of the friends I've had for damn near decades, I wouldn't have done any of that if I didn't go to school, if I didn't learn new things. And, right. and of course, it was tough. I had some tough experiences in Dubois there too. I love the character though. Yeah, so you would say getting out of your comfort zone is definitely something beneficial. Yeah, jump out that comfort zone. Don't be cozy. No, I agree. Jumping out of your comfort zone, you're going to be apprehensive toward it. Because it's going to make you feel uncomfortable. But the reward that you get after that feeling uncomfortable just completely outweighs the discomfort. Yeah. You got to take the leap. Life in leaps. What advice do you have for kids or younger teens or young adults even growing up in a similar environment that you did? Um, you are your best detector. So if you have a bad feeling about somebody, don't hang out with them. Don't try to fit in. Um, if you don't want to do something or you realize, like, even if you are, all right, say you like to fight, right? Say you like these things, say you want to fit in, say you one of the guys, you want to be one of them family or whatever. You have to make the distinction in the decision. Like, all right, if I do this, this is what happens. Face the reality of that. If you don't, it's going to catch up to you. Mm-hmm. And we live in an environment in which no one's going to tell you what's wrong until you already done it. The work to stop that from happening 
hasn't happened yet. So if you're listening to this and you happen to be in those environments, you have to make a lot of decisions by yourself and by God, make the right one. Just take that extra second. It's been people I've almost gotten in cars with, got shot. It's that close. It's that close from decision making. Don't hang out with anybody that's going to do some shit you're not with. If you're not into that shit, even if you're into it, like you want to be Billy the Kid, you want to be a badass, you want to be in the streets, you want to do that, right? The consequence is the consequence. Your mom can't save you. Nobody can save you. Once you start doing this shit, you're locked in, bro. Yeah, you either go to jail or you go, you can die. That's that's the rewards. You got to understand the rewards of what's being shown in front of you. Because when I seen it when I was younger, I was like, oh, they got money. They got cars. They got shit. And this shit looks lit. I want to do it. They got girls. Da, da, da. But when you get closer to it and you start to see it and you see what happens, they'll let a kid out there, bro. He don't know what he do. He's just trying to fit in. Telling you it's that close. Make sure you pick the right friends. The friends that's not going to get you in a fight when it's two against ten. The friend that's not beefing with somebody. Everybody know what's going on, especially in those environments. Everybody is small. Everybody knows what's going on. Who's who? Who's doing that? Don't get in that car. Don't hang out with them. Because I know plenty of kids. They got in that car. They hung out with them. Or they became that guy. So. And then the choice is yours. You can do anything. The choice is yours because we have so much autonomy at a young age in those environments. It's really up to you. <laughs> and, and, and you got to choose right. That's what I say. And you've been extremely consistent with your discipline. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's just something and not to harp on like or try to dig at anybody. I think that's the biggest thing missing with urban kids. They don't have discipline. And I had to learn it. Right. I forced myself to be responsible at a very young, I was like, you know what? I'm going to come in on time. I'm going to do my homework. I'm going to do these things. Because everybody not on that regiment is doing something erratic. They'll get in a car. They'll get into a fight. They'll Like, I'll defend myself. But I'm not looking for this shit. And I'm not hanging out with somebody looking for it. You know what I'm saying? So, like, you got to make the right choices. And then after that, you got to keep that shit up. Because once you, your rep gets, to, nobody will even bring it to you. Because you don't. Bro, I, be, I remember when I was younger. And, like, people were trying to hang out. I'm like, yo, I'm going to the library. Go to the library. I don't care how nerdy that sounds. Do whatever you want to do and make sure you do that. Like, don't get caught up in this shit because once you're caught up, nobody cares. That's not your man. People are telling a lot faster out here. People are doing this and that a lot faster because, like, most of these dudes, you know, it's easy to do a lot of this shit. It's easy to do some point shoot. It's easy to do that shit. You get caught, now you're behind some bars. Like, it's going to suck. And then you get traumatized within that system as well. It's no, like, it's this trauma. You got to move away from the trauma. You already got bad environment. So, like, come on. Sometimes physically move away. Like in Yeah. Oh, sense. yeah, yeah. No, no. If you can move away, you have to. I, I think, like, because I don't think I would become half the person I was if I stayed in that environment. Because I wouldn't have to be more. It's biggest upon your end. Expand yourself. Is that what drove your extreme like discipline toward yourself? Was it that you what, had these vision? No, these visions you had for yourself for the future. You knew what your potential was. Is that the driving force behind your determination? Those choices that you made to go to the library and so just choices to better yourself. Yeah, I just chose the winning path. I don't like to f- follow a path of failure. 
right? Like, I've seen all the results in path A, B, C, D, E, F, G. Now we're at H. Okay, what's up with H? That's how I felt. Like, when my uncle took me to school, I was like, yup, this is something I want to really do and experience because it's so different. Like, a lot of the things that I, like, handcuffed myself, especially younger, I learned. I was like, all right, cool. You can't be, like, too into shit. Like, like you couldn't, like, really care about anything. And I was like, okay, I care about shit. This is wild. But I also learned that, too, like, emotional numbness. Now, it's needed in certain aspects of life. Like, if it's somebody I don't know or care for, I really, I, I have less of a fuck for them. I'm sorry. But um, <clears throat> it was all needed, too. Because uh, these are survival tactics, right? You're in a hostile environment. You don't know anybody, emotional numbness, whatever they say don't matter, whatever they do don't matter, as long as they don't touch your stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. And a lot of people might be listening to this and be like, oh, wow, that's, like, really inconsiderate for people. But, no, this is a survival mechanism that yeah, you have Yeah, yeah, it's use. not even thought of, like, you know, it's not even thought of after a while. Like, if I don't know someone that well, and I'm, I'm sure, like, a lot of my family, friends, and stuff like that, we don't, like, I had the same friends since I was in seventh grade. I don't really switch it up. Like, I don't really like new people at, at like, a, not in a business sensation. Like, if I'm doing business, I'm meeting people, and like, stuff like that, and I'm already in that mode for sure. But, like, off the street, I'm not, I'm not hanging out with anybody. I got to vet you first. Because you got to know what, what people are bringing into your life. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. It's cool. We know the editor. <laughs> this is a tagline, by the way. When you hear this, edit. <laughs> <laughs> do you feel like everyone who was in... Do you feel like anyone has that same capability to get themselves out of a compromised situation? Yeah, for sure. Anybody can do it. Anybody can do it. Anybody can do it. Uh, Dubois isn't that far from Philadelphia. There's multiple small towns you get to and start over and start learning new aspects of life. And it's relatively cheap. So all you need is a car and go ahead. You know, if people are shooting outside your crib or shit is going down, move. At a certain point, a certain amount of money, like we all got jobs. All right, let's save up for like, a let's save up this year and let's move. Our cousin died here. My best friend died here. You know what I'm saying? I have real blood, like, back home that died. So, like, it's not, like, the best place for me. So, that's why I wouldn't go back home because, like, some places where, like, people walking by and shit, I can't act like I didn't walk pet, walk the street with somebody and now they're not here. I, I can't do that. So... That level of emotional numbness. And I, I'm sure so many kids are like, all right, this shit just happened. Your man's gone. Your friend's gone. Somebody might have passed here, around here. Now you got to walk past that shit. They might scrub it off, but you, you still got to walk past. You know, that's why these kids are like moving the way they are. They're stuck in a trauma cycle. They can't get out. The same four blocks or ten blocks or wherever you at, however they do it. Somewhere around there, somebody you know, and now you walking past that, like you won't get a hit of adrenaline, you know, like that's a that's a constant trauma response. Yeah. So yeah, move if you can. 
so we just touched upon advice that you would give to other people. But um, do you have anything that if you could have a conversation with your younger self, like as a kid, you know, like 10, younger than that even, um, what would you tell him? I say um, you've done what you're supposed to do. Like You did exactly what you're supposed to do. You did it for as long as you had to. And you can't regret your progress. You you have to progress in life. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's where a lot of the, you know, Mr. In-Between comes from. Because I am in between two different realities. Or what I've learned. Like, like the way I live myself, like, as an adult male, I've never seen besides a couple people in my family. And those people I had few. Like, the most interaction I have with those people don't don't match down like the amount of other shit I've seen as adult men at this age. And you're talking about role models. Like yeah, role, role models. models. Yeah. And I've never seen it. You know? I've never even like when I was young I thought I was gonna die like fifteen, sixteen, seventeen. Like shit was like I went to a really bad school, shit was turning up, people were fighting, people people are doing shit. You know, I'm thinking I'm getting testosterone in my body. Now I wanna you know what I'm saying? Like it's almost like if you don't get out of the shit, you're gonna end up in it. <laughs> like it's just osmosis. Like if you're there, something's gonna happen. You know, those Boston just get shot every day. And although we are talking about really heavy topics, you know, those intense emotions, these are real life events that you went through. Do you still feel like that there's a good side to all of this? Like this yeah. healing process? Yeah, yeah, for you? yeah, for sure. I mean, the neighborhood isn't that bad, bro. Like when everybody's chilling. I remember it. I really do. I remember cookouts. I remember knowing my neighbors. I remember going to the pools. I remember playing football with my cousins. I I, I remember that for a long time. That was like my, like, you know, I remember like 4th of July when everything was cool. You get the light, you know, the little light sword and shit. Like your parents go get you that. Um, Going to family events, going to see the game, going to my uh, cousin's house, rest in peace, with my pops, rest in peace. We go watch the fights. So there's a lot of core memories I had that, like, were good. It's just that, like, the older I got, the realer. Because, like, you know, like uh, with the maturity thing, right? Like, when you, like, 13, 14, damn near a grown man, depending on your situation, right? Like, if your mom's working all the time, who do you think is in the crib? Who do you think is helping with homework? Who do you think is doing these things? Taking out the trash and shit like that. Who's standing up when shit happens? You know, that who who you think is gonna it's gonna be that young man. And he, he's making Especially decisions. if the parents aren't there and then you have younger siblings. Yeah, if you have younger siblings, you asked out, bro. You got responsibility. So um <clears throat> I say uh, you know, just step to the plate. You step to the plate, you did your job. That's what I say to my younger self. I give him a pound on the back, shake his hand. That's about <laughs> it. Cause I never, like, I never took the easy way out. I, it's so, it's so easy to do the easy shit, and I never did the easy shit. Anything that was easy in my path, I never chose it. I'd rather build character. All right, so we wrapped up most of same old grief. If you would like to read this, it's available on Wattpad. Um, I believe Nathier has 
a link in his bio and we can yeah. share it on the podcast as well. We'll share it on the pod. It's coming up next. Um, yeah, Same Old Grief 4. Um, the next one, Same Old Grief 5, will probably be a book with all four. And then the fifth one be the newest chapter. And it'll be everything that I went through this year. <laughs> you know, and confounding. I do like to bounce back and forth, like, far as my ages to really compound the fact of, like, growth in time. This is happening in real time. Like, I haven't had a year. I think this is the first year I haven't had significant death. It's 2024, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, like, every year before that, significant death. Yeah. So that's that's just what it is. And same old grief four is out now. Uh thank you, Beth, for taking your time out to do this. It was fantastic. You did a great job. I appreciate everybody tapping in. Uh Aaron has got something on the way. Passerby's on the way. Trailer's out now. February first. Link's out now. Campaign. Tap in. Um, shout out everybody tapping in. Shout out family, friends. Shout out everybody. I, I grieved somebody. Shout out everybody. I loved. And uh, yeah, we do this for you. I worked so hard because of everybody I lost. I had to gain something for what I lost. So yeah. Life and Times Network. <laughs>